We're doing this whole Family Matters series and we're playing all of these fun songs. Welcome online back. I know you guys just had your own moment back there, but we're playing these kind of the sitcom songs of some of, for some of us when we were growing up and it reminds you of certain episodes. It reminds you of relationships. It reminds you of all the drama that happens in our family. And we just think this is a great time to be diving into a series about Family Matters. I'm gonna tell you, God's word's got stuff for us on this. And this is kind of like a regular thing for us at church. We believe that when you encounter God's word, it's intense. It just is. Like when you come, like God's word, it, like it almost just demands that we make choices and it's invasive. Like the word of God is alive and you never like have like a subpar encounter with God's word. We're like, ah, I mean, if you really get into any of it, anywhere, it's gonna like come at your life and like start to invade your life. And so, it's a little intense. This, we say this all the time, you know, that we've got an incredible children's ministry um, because I, I'm going to mention some words today in our teaching that could be sensitive, like the S word. I don't know if you know what that word is. Some of you are thinking one word. It's not that. Sex. Okay. And so we're, we're going to be talking about some things in parenting. So just a little disclaimer, our children's ministry is incredible. You guys can handle it. Um, there's this story that happens in David's life that I think the impact gets overlooked a little bit. Uh, like the impact on him. And if you've not been a part of our teaching last week, challenge you to go back and watch it. I know full disclosure, we kind of banged up on David, King David, this prolific uh, king. He's like, the, like he, was, he was the guy in Israel's history, right? And he, he had this incredible life that's very well documented in the Old Testament. And we beat up on him a little bit for his fathering. I mean, David just didn't do a great job. It, there was a lot of wreckage in the wake of his life in fathering. And it, it's good for us because we can learn from it. But there's this impactful moment that happens to him as a child that almost lets us go, well, yeah, yeah. Samuel chapter 16. David is having a day like many days. He's out watching the, the cattle, or the, the, the livestock, the sheep, probably. It's the family's wealth, at least a part of it. And he's, I mean, this, they could be grazing. They could be, they could be a long journey from the house. He's not coming home at night, most likely. He's probably sleeping out there many nights. He's away for days or weeks. And that's just his job. And we get from the book of Psalms, David writes a lot of this from these experiences of just being out with God. And it's rich, it's deep. And we see his relationship growing with God. And it, there's an intimacy there. And he, he, lots of the ways that he grows to the Father, we see in those moments. But on this very specific day, something else is happening. That There's a story that's happening back home. See, a prophet of God, Samuel, has come to David's kind of village. And this is such a... It's such a big deal that Samuel's got this connection to God that the people, when the elders of the town, when Samuel shows up, they are freaking out. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? What are you here for? What's going on? And he can't just show up in a village without people. He talks to God. Everyone knows that. Like, what are you doing here? Did someone mess up? What's going on? They're freaking out a little bit. And he's like, no, 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 chill out. I just want to sacrifice with you. Okay? He had brought a, an animal to sacrifice, to worship God. And that, that really was kind of a little bit of a like, look over here, because God said, you're going to go and you're going to do this today. You're going to anoint a new king. 
Samuel doesn't know who the king is. The spirit of God is going to tell him when he sees him. He's got one clue. It's in this village. And the, the father is a man named Jesse. And so he gets there, calms the elders down. And then he kind of, he says, Jesse, specifically your family, I want your family to come with me. And we're going to have this worship service where we're going to sacrifice the blood of this animal to cover our sins. This is the, the history of uh, the, the, Ju the Judeo faith. This is where we get this idea of blood atonement and why Jesus is the once and for all blood sacrifice for all time. And so they're like, okay, we'll worship with you. He gets him alone. He's like, hey, we're going to do that. But here's the real deal. Jesse, one of your kids, one of your sons is going to be anointed, kind of like a pre-crowning ceremony as king over all of Israel. And so this is, that's a big deal, right? Meanwhile, David, he's in a field somewhere, right? Watching, watching the livestock for the family. No clue what's going on. There's no cell phones, right? They're not going to ping them. They're not going to be like, hey, run home real quick, man. It's going to be one of us. Probably not you, but no one. No one is thinking about this kid. And so the contestants of the day, Jesse, the father, he starts bringing the boys out. He brings the oldest one out. I'm sure he's good looking and, you know, fun and muscular and plays all the sports, you know, varsity, whatever. Uh, we're all real proud. It's not him. And they just start going through the kids. It's not him. And Jesse's like, well, you know. And they have this awkward moment where the, the prophet of God says, you, hey, bro, you got other kids, right? Something we should talk about? Because the spirit of God's just going to tell Samuel, there he is. And finally, at this moment, you know, Jesse, dad, father is like, oh, I do have another kid. Oh, I come to think of it. You know, it's that kid that's like watching the family. Okay, someone go and get him. Okay, I mean, guys, David coming back into this moment, coming, being ushered back in here. Now you think like that he doesn't know what's going on when he walks in and all the other brothers are like, oh my goodness, there's no, there's no way. Please tell me it's not him. Please tell me it's not him. And immediately the spirit of God says to Samuel, there he is. That's the one right there. You think he doesn't know what he just missed out on? There's not a part of him that feels overlooked, taken for granted, not thought of. No one's thinking of his interests. He's like, could I have at least have been a contestant? Someone could have sent a servant to me and said, hey, it's probably not you. It's not a big deal. It's not going to be you. You should come home. I want to underline the fact that it's not going to be you, but at least you can come, kind of stand up there with us. And for a moment, there's a slight chance, but it won't be that you could be king. You missed out on that completely. That happens. He's an afterthought, not thought of at all, not selected, not invested in. What I would have to say to us, and we've been looking at this, this verse in Ephesians about what we are to do as parents, that we have got to give our children an anointing. We've got to give our children an anointing. Your child needs to be thought of in your mind. There's some messed up things that are ingrained in David at that moment. Some father issues, I think, that kind of, as they play out, show that the kind of father that he is. And for us, as we look at fathering our children, we have got to give our child an anointing. What is an anointing? 
mean, kings are anointed. There are times when warriors are anointed. Special people who have a relationship with God in a, in a special way or are called to something specific are anointed. It's a spiritual act of imparting a relationship or a direction in life being set aside for something specific. And words are spoken into someone in that anointing moment. Words are powerful. Parents, when I say give your child an anointing, I believe that that transfers us today as you're going to use something like your words. There are things that need to be spoken into our kids' lives. God, when he creates the entire universe, uses words to do it. We are made in his image and there is great, great power in our words that we speak. One of the most incredible things I, I ever participated in uh, in, in the ministry that Jennifer and I did when we traveled with Christ in youth and we take our students here at this church, we take our kids away to large events where there'll be 2,000 kids there. This is what we do as a church. And we, we gives our kids an opportunity to see that there are people that believe in Jesus who are under 65 years old, right? They need that, right? They do, they need it. And they're like, man, God's kingdom is growing. And there are other seventh graders that believe in Jesus. This is great. And we would do that. We would get like 3,000 junior high kids in an arena and feed them a lot of sugar. You talk about a worship service. Come on now, that's intense. Some of you are like, why would you ever do that? Why would, <laughs> would you ever do that for a living, man? We decided on one tour that we were going to have uh, a moment to speak into kids' lives in a way that just grabbed them. And there's, there's power around this idea of anointing Matter of fact, God actually has his own recipe in the book of Exodus that talks about what, what oils you mix together to have God's official anointing oil. You can read it. There's like one part frankincense, one part myrrh, and it, it describes it. We ordered, we ordered a pallet. I had gallon jugs of this anointing oil. I mean, normally when you get 3,000 junior high kids in an arena, it smells like Axe body spray, okay? Which is better than what it could smell like, Okay. And what, what we were going to do is we were going to first anoint all of the leaders in the leader meeting. And so we would say, where's your strong hand? Are you right-handed or left-handed? And we would put some oil on that hand. Um, my mother-in-law, Karen, I love you. She is a witch doctor that uh, sells essential oils. Uh, not really, but if you have some eye of newt, she's been looking, Okay. <laughs> Not going to tell you the exact name on this oil. You think this election's been contentious. You get two different sailors of essential oils, right? And you get them in the same room, right? So I've got this one and I use it on Sunday mornings because um, it smells really great and it's called Clarity and it's supposed to help me think clearly. So I'll, I'll put some on and I smell it and it smells really good and I love it. I think it works. I don't know. I don't know. But we get these adults, we get their strong hand and we put a little oil on their strong hand because... We're going to put about 100 kids in your hotel room and you're going to have to stay awake, okay? You're going to need some strength. And then we put some of it on their forehead for their mind. You're going to need some wisdom, right? To, to navigate through some things. And we would speak into these adults. God brought you here this weekend and you don't want to be here and you're afraid, but God's going to use you to change a junior high kid's life if you're just obedient and you drink a lot of coffee and you stay awake, Okay? And they're like, okay, and we're like, now you're going to go and anoint these kids. And we would, we would tell all these kids that someone who cares about you, they know your name. They're here because they care for you. They're going to speak into your life. And you would see these kids stand in a line, 12 kids with their leader. And you see them just wait to get anointed. And the whole place just smells like this incredible oil. 
And these kids are just waiting for their turn to have someone look at them and say, man, God's got a plan for your life. And God's going to send you in this direction. And we're praying over the strength of your life. And we're praying over your mind and the things that you're learning. And you're God's. You see these kids hear that message. And it just goes to a deep, deep place for the rest of their lives. Those kids can remember I was there. I remember when that leader said that to me. Your children need an imparting of knowledge and instruction and a holy a spiritual anointing that only probably you can give. This is super, super important. This verse that we've been looking at in Ephesians, verse four, it's, last week we did the first part. We're on the last part here. Let me read the whole thing to you. Speaking to parents, specifically fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline, here it is, and instruction of the Lord. Now, this isn't one of those things like, all right, instruct your kids. Good, good talk, right? No, like there are a lot of things we could talk about, but very specifically, I think there's some things that we need to kind of zero in on that we need to be instructing our kids on. They're kind of at the top of the list for me, three things. We gotta be talking to our kids about sex. We've gotta be talking to our children about the fear of the Lord. And we gotta talk to our kids. We've gotta instruct our kids on eternity. There's this word picture in Proverbs. Um, Solomon writes wisdom literature in Proverbs. And it starts out the very first chapter. We get this word picture. It says, hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. For here's what they are. They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And so I, I want you to get the picture. I think it's real important. Um, I did not get these on some wild weekend uh, at Mardi Gras, uh, right? <laughs> Didn't earn them any other way, okay? They're just in our kids' room. I don't know what we do with it. Uh, but this picture from Proverbs says that you got to send your, some of you are saying your outfit needs some bling today, Johnny, okay? This is what it is, that you would give your kids, uh, when they go out and they're going to navigate, navigate school, they're going to navigate relationships, they're going to navigate something in life, that you've like adorned them. You've gone to them and you said, I'm going to speak instruction into your life and I'm going to let you put this on. And then when they go out, they're wearing it. Like they're not going to leave with, you give them an iPhone, like, cause you're, I don't know, loaded or something. I guess you give your kids that, right? And they go out, they got my iPhone and I've got the instruction that my parents have given me. Like I've got what I need to like start living life. And when they encounter situations, you know, and they're looking for something to pull from and experience some words, it's right there on them. And Proverbs says like, you got to do this. And when you give them this instruction in their life, it's like you're equipping them with some beautiful like adornment, this necklace, this thing that's like, I've got it, right? We got to give our children instructions on sex. Now, Solomon is David's son. I'm just going to tell you straight up, Solomon has done some research for us, okay? That's what he's done. That's his contribution to God's word. Solomon has written much of what we call wisdom literature. The way he got wisdom was, one, God granted it to him, but he also did a whole lot of stupid things. We call it research so that we don't have to go and do stupid things. One of the stupid things he did, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, okay? That's some, some of you are like, yeah, you're right. That guy's crazy, right? I'm, I'm, so when he speaks about some things in God's word, like some things that don't work, he's got some credibility. 
Okay? He's tried some things out. We don't always take that. Um, there, there, there's an article that, recent article in the last few months was written in the Federals by Elizabeth Party. It's called, No, Human Beings Are Not Happier When They Ditch Monogamy. And she quotes uh, Dr. Gregory Popkak uh, and says this, There's a condition known as defensive attachment. Scientists have identified people who have experienced numerous failed sexual relationships and they begin to experience numbness in the presence of those whom they're sexually intimate with. Feelings of passion and emotional closeness with someone can eventually become unattainable. The world tells us, they tells our kids, go out, live your life, be crazy, have as many partners as you can, because that's really cool. God's word says, have one partner, come together with them, and holy matrimony. Make a promise before God, before you have sexual intimacy, and say to God and other people that love you, I promise for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, in sickness and health, I will be faithful to you and only you, a man and a woman. This is God's design for sex. And if we're not talking to our kids about this, we are just wishing We're wishing rough times on them. See, the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, describes an awakening that happens in in a young person sexually. And it's it's, it's vivid and it's description. Um, Because all three of my boys are serving in children's church today, I'm going to read this to you because they're in here. They'd be like, Dad, don't read the Song of Solomon one. Don't read that one. It's so embarrassing. It's in God's word. It's appropriate. We got to talk about it here. Because if we don't talk about it here, the chances are you're not talking about it at home with your kids and then they're hearing it somewhere else, okay? Here's what Solomon describes is this kind of on switch. It says this, your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all the choicest fruits. If there was like an underlaying music bed to this, it would be something like brown chicken, brown cow, okay? That's what's happening here. He's got some descriptions. Some of you are just getting that, right? Henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and choicest spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water, a flowing stream from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind. Come, O south wind, blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Some of you right now are like, I don't know if he's really talking about cinnamon here. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not talking about cinnamon. I'm not talking about nard, right? I'm talking about this thing that God has made in your children, our children, where sexually they, they have a machine that is supposed to turn on. It's wired to turn on. And when it turns on, here's the problem. You can't turn it off. So that means we got to wait to turn it on. Okay? This is stuff I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just got to tell you, This is going to maybe surprise some of you, but we had malls in Missouri where we lived, okay? We did. We had malls. And I would take the kids to the mall um, because Jennifer was there, and we would be walking, my two two little guys, Riley in front of me, and there's a store, right? And we called the store, don't look fast, fast, don't, don't, don't look, walk really fast, right? Don't look, walk really fast, right, you know? I mean, the other name of the store is Victoria's Secrets, okay? (laughs) Victoria's got no secrets, 
okay? That's the deal with Victoria. There are no secrets. And I got these little guys, right? And we're walking. I'm like, don't look, don't look. And when you tell a little boy not to, not to look, what they do is look, right? And I'm like, look at this kiosk. They're selling hair extensions, right? Like, come on, like, look. They're looking. I don't know where you think you're raising kids, but let me put it in biblical proportions. You're raising kids and the kingdom of Israel that's about ready to fall because they've gone to sin. We're raising kids in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm just telling you, that's the sin level of where we're at. And if we act like, oh, my kids, they're, they're, they're fine. I'm going to tell you, the enemy has come in and he's gone to the switch of the sexuality of our children and he has turned the switch on too early. Too early. Because we've not protected. So you just got to know where we're at. Our kids' romantic lives, um, we're involved in that. My boys are like, man, we are never dating anyone in this church after this sermon. I'll tell you what. We are. It's not. When, when our kids say, hey, we just want some privacy. That's a Q word in our house for you get no privacy, right? Just give me some privacy. Oh, we got time now. Now we're going to have a family meeting. You think you're dating a girl. You're not dating her. We are all dating her. <laughs> going to come up in here and ruin Thanksgiving for 20 years of my family. Come on. And we're in this situation where we're like, well, you know, we just want to let them figure it out. Don't let them figure it out. They can't figure it out. I look at my kids and I tell them, I know you better than you. And they're like, oh my goodness, how can you say that? Because it's true. Because I know what your mom and I are like. And God allowed us to make you in some crazy, awesome way. And we know more about your inclinations and the things. And we want to be involved in your forever happiness. And I mean, some of you kids, you're in the room right now and you're like, I can't, I wish my, I, we've got, I'm going to fake a coma right now or something to get, get my parents out of this room. This preacher telling my mom and dad to be involved in my romantic situation. Come on. We got to do it. Families, we've got to do it because love has a lot less to do with feelings and a whole lot more to do with choices and their soul for eternity is more important and their temporary happiness. And what a lot of us have been telling kids without actually saying the words is, you do whatever you got to do, just don't embarrass the family. Okay? You do whatever you got to do in private, just don't let us know about it. I sit down with 27-year-old guys and they've been dating a girl. How, how long have you been dating? Four years. I'm like, do you not like her? Because <laughs> you dating my daughter for four years. You would be done, right? And here's why. Because if you're dating her for four years and you guys have not been sexually intimate, I don't think, I don't want that for my daughter. I want someone that can't keep their hands off her until they're not supposed to. That's what I want. I want them to enjoy intimacy the way that they're designed to enjoy it. It matters. Proverbs 15 verse 18 through 19 says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. The world tells our kids that sex outside of marriage is great and sex inside marriage stops. And that's not what the stats actually show. Monogamous relationships done in the context of God's plan are better and lead to more lifelong fulfillment says the statistics always. So we have to talk to our kids about that subject. Here's the next one. Because most of you are done with that one. 
we got to give our kids instruction on the fear of God. Proverbs 1.9 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the gateway, the door to all knowledge, to all wisdom, to all of those things that we want our kids to have smarts. We want our kids to be able to, to navigate life. Here's the doorway. It's the fear of God. Some of you are like, I don't want to talk to my kids about the fear of God. I want to paint a picture of God where he's kind and he's loving and he's like Santa Claus. And like, I hope not. Santa Claus is creepy. He's always watching you when you sleep. That's weird. Right? If you're not having a conversation with your kids about the fear of God, I feel like we're missing the doorway to true understanding and life. And, and we, we, we want to paint this fake picture of who God is. That Man, tell you what, Jesus sits on a seat on the ark. His throne is actually called this. It's called a mercy seat. Is he kind? Yes. Is he loving? Yes. Is he compassionate? Yes. He's shown us his nature by sending his son to die for us. But there is an aspect of God that cannot be put in a box where he is scary. And you take that out. And you start to mess with the whole complete figure of who he is that we cannot understand. You want to have some deep conversations with your children? Talk with them about the fear of God because Proverbs tells us that's the beginning to all understanding. Sometimes if we don't fear God, we don't obey him. When my kids were young, they could not understand the reasons why they could not take candy from a stranger. I didn't tell my three-year-old boys, well... The guy in the van who's trying to get you to pet the puppies, the puppies don't exist. And that guy will take you and make you a slave or kill you and you'll never see mommy and daddy again. I didn't tell my three-year-old sons that. It's true, right? I just told them, don't do it. And like, fear me, because if you, if you do do it, you're going to answer to me and you're going to have to explain them to do, Okay. When my kids look both ways across the road, I don't care why they're looking both ways. If they're doing it because they love me or they're afraid of me. I just want them to look both ways before they cross the street because if they don't, they're going to get killed. And when we teach our kids to fear God, we can also teach our kids to learn to have a loving relationship. And if the heart of our kids being equipped with, adorned with the idea of fearing God, at the heart of that, is them also understanding that God is real and there's real consequences to our sin and sin will hurt them and it will hurt us. And if your kids aren't adorned with that and they're like, God's just great and he's happy all the time and I can do whatever I want, that's not real faith. And it's dangerous. Here's the, here's the final thing of these instructions. Uh, I think we got to give our kids instruction on eternity. Second Timothy 3.15 says this. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred things which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. One of your number one jobs as parents is to make sure your kids end up in heaven. That's the job. James Dobson wrote a book on uh, boys. We read it 
many, many years ago, and I'll never forget one little picture he kind of led us in on. He took his oldest son on a hike. They lived in Colorado, and they got way up to a mountaintop, and he said, I brought you up here, son, today to tell you one thing. Heaven is real. I just want you there. I want you to be there. And I'm going to be waiting on you. Mom and dad, we've got to instruct our kids that eternity is real. And we've got to show them how to get there. Tony Evans writes this beautiful analogy of like when, when, you, when you bring God's word to kids, you've got to place it on their palate. And the way a, a mother would lovingly do that, is, I admit it, it's kind of gross, but it works, is she would almost like pre-chew the food, right? Like a bird, right? And get, that, get it to where they can understand it. You have to put instruction in your kids' lives right on their palate, like right in their mouth, right where they can eat. Because I tell you what, sending our kids out without this adornment, it's like just sending them straight off to live a life of hell and ultimately end up in hell. That's not me conjecturing. That actually comes from God's word. Psalm 19.18 says this, or Proverbs 19.18. Discipline your son. When you hear that, think about adorn, instruct, anoint. For there is hope if you do this. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. We don't have anointing ceremonies with our kids where we sit down and say, we're going to talk about some things. I know you don't like it. And I know it's awkward. And I, I know no one else's parents does this. And I know we're the worst parents in the world. Tell your counselor one day, you're going to get anointed. You're going to get anointing. Because we do not want to send you off to your death. See, there's this timeline. There's this timeline in David's life. We all know the most famous story of David's life is the one that we probably all heard in children's church where David beats Goliath, right? Such a great story. I mean, he's, there's like armies and a big guy and a little guy and he shouldn't win. We get it. It's, it's an awesome, incredible event that happens in David's life. Timeline's important. See, David's anointing came before David defeated Goliath. That's important. David's teaching, the equipping that happened in David's life, the instruction from the father that happened in David's life in those moments out with sheep, all of that adorning came before David has this epic moment of defeating Goliath. And mom and dad, here's, what, here's just what I see. Here's what I fall prey to at times in my life with my kid. I'm out looking for a Goliath for my kid to destroy and I'm, I'm jumping over the anointing part. I've got, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to conquer this, and daddy's gonna vicariously live through you to do this, and I'm out looking for Goliath for my kids, and I've completely missed the whole anointing part of their life. Anointing, teaching, training, instruction on these incredible, crucial topics comes way before they ever go and slay a Goliath. This is where we meet God. Mom and dad only, you can do it. 
I, I, I had some people that stepped up in my life that were not my biological parents, and they, they put some of these. Not every single one of them are, are from a biological parent. There's some people that were youth coaches in my life, and they stepped in and they said, no, 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 no. It's the heart of the Father. So I want to invite you to stand, and uh, I want to pray a prayer over you. This, is, this message yeah, this is for you. you're a single person and you're just mad your parents had to hear this message today. And this message is really for you because one day you're going to be walking through this really quickly. It's for you. Maybe like, our kids are out of the house and, you know, we're not raising kids anymore. You got grandkids or you need to be nagging about getting some. Come on. You start teaching some of this stuff. I'll tell you, that's what happens with it'll work. Okay. Father God, I come praying a prayer over parenting and the instruction that we are called to be imparting, the adorning process where we're, we're literally like fixing these kids to go out into the world and we're, we're putting stuff on them. May it be instruction and anointing and spiritual guidance and conversations about critical things like literally who they're dating right now or who the kind of person they want to be with or where that's going to lead and decisions. Oh, Father God, we need to be instructing our kids. And I know right now by the power of your spirit is we're going to sing this song in a minute. Your spirit is dividing this word up between our hearts. It's coming to some of us and it's like, you got to have this conversation. It's got to happen. It's critical. This is your time to do this. Adorn your child. Oh, Father God, would you just deal with us in this moment and give us the to-do list and tell us what's that step going to be like? I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be awkward, but oh, it's so important. So as we reflect right now, would you just send your spirit to encourage us and to direct us to map out what life could look like for some of the young people in this room. Your word never leaves us. Uh, it, it, never, it never disappoints. Would, would your spirit just speak so clearly right now to our hearts? It's in your name we worship Jesus.